0: I'm also guessing it wasn't um, super close in pitch to the music that was playing under oh, probably it. Probably not. I so. probably
1: I can't hear that. Only you can hear that. I just that was probably a really weird Sondheim dissonant melodical thing. That's going what it on. was.
0: That's what it was. It wasn't. It wasn't oh. a tonal. It was That was
1: a, a sneak peek of the new Sondheim musical. <laughs>
0: Coming this season to Broadway.
1: Which is actually coming this season to Broadway, mm. um, but no one's heard any of the music or, like, we don't think we have.
0: So perhaps. I challenge you to tell me that wasn't from the musical.
1: Ha-ha! <laughs> my, my best friend, Steven, um, who we we lost, but, yes, he, he shared that song with me yeah. before yeah, before yeah. he went. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm feeling much better this week than I did last week, if, if you listened last week when I was just depressing the uh the phlegm balls from erupting from my <laughs> mouth as i as i did things but i'm i'm feeling better now um so yay you'll hear a regular scheduled program singing today <laughs>
0: <laughs> already have that's yeah. what we started with
1: i know that's 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 why i was just you know jumping right back in right cuz i didn't feel like i had to suppress suppress my my soul by, by the mucus <laughs>
0: soul suppression
1: I felt wow. like my soul was being suppressed by mucus for a solid week and a half, oh, yeah, absolutely freaking literally, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I like could not function. It was horrible, but i'm I'm coming back, y'all, that's an
0: intense x men superpower
1: uh
0: soul, soul suppressing
1: mucus, mucus. <laughs> yeah,
0: soul mucus, uh,
1: I feel like so we just I can't want-
0: come into work today. I have mucus of the
1: soul, I mean. Don't we all right now, a little bit? I mean, uh. a lot of shit went down this week, though. Uh, like Trump got indicted. <laughs> uh he's actually currently flying into new york and about oh, to get arrested so cool like, he's
0: turning himself in yes yeah
1: mm-hmm. whatever that's what they
0: said i mean he that's- just wants
1: to be a martyr so you know don't give him any attention <laughs> well
0: it also like the optics are a little better if you turn yourself in yeah. than if you get dragged out of your house in handcuffs
1: but that's hilarious um but yeah, so there's that. Um, we went and saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which was super fun. It was a good time. It was super fun. Uh, uh, we had a good time with that. Uh, we went to the Punk Rock Flea Market, which was which was interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, Finally
0: saw Knives Out yesterday.
1: Went, saw Knives Out, uh, like the first one, yep. <laughs> which was fantastic. Now I know what all the fuss is about. So we're excited to watch Glass Onion now, which is the second one. Uh, what else we did? I feel like we've done a bunch. Oh, I, I got a job. Yeah. This week.
0: That's, that's the big news that's here. That's
1: exciting. So, <laughs> uh, I will be in Philadelphia, but yeah, I got a job. I'm going to be a better And we found a really good song, uh, by, what was his name? Uh, paparazzi. Papa, papa, it's like
0: paparazzi and the photogs. Yeah.
1: It's like paparazzi, yeah. but papara- paparazzi, paparazzi and the this guy's basically like Stephen Lynch meets, uh, uh. Um, Wesley Willis? Yes, there we go. <laughs> it's, 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 Stephen Lynch meets Wesley Willis. So, it's, uh, just kind of odd and funny. And he wrote this song about taking Betsy Ross on a date, which I find hilarious.
0: It's a good song. Good um, tune.
1: But, yeah. So, I start, um, training for my historical interpretation character. Uh, yeah. Uh, going back to my Colony Williamsburg days, y'all. Uh. <laughs> So, if you're in Philadelphia this summer, you can come watch me sew.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you tell stories about um,
1: about sewing your
0: your many husbands.
1: She's Betsy Ross got around. She got around. She had three husbands, and she was single the last twenty years of her life. So, I have a theory that Betsy Ross is actually like a black widow, and all her husbands were named John, (laughs) like every single one of them. She had a type. She had a type. That's they productive. were all
0: military boys. too. They were too.
1: all military boys who died, like <laughs> young. Uh, yep. Yeah. So it's been it's been a productive week. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: So that's how things are going here. I uh, I hope things are going well for you too, mm-hmm. campers.
1: And it's getting warm out. So it's camping, getting warm out. So yeah, might actually become like a thing. We were just outside the other day. Went for a long walk yeah. in Philly and. I was like, I wanna go camping.
0: It's- Not long ago we sat down by our fire pit in the mm-hmm. backyard. That Watched was nice. the thunderstorm. Watched the thunderstorm. Oh, yeah, there was rolling. a tornado
1: warning. Like, well, a bunch of places in I hope everyone's okay, by the way, because I know a pretty bad tornado hit Little Rock, Arkansas, where one of my good friends is from, Kate. Um and so and then a pretty decent tornado hit Iowa City, Coralville, um, which is where my family's from. So Yeah, I hope everyone's safe. But that same storm came through Philadelphia and New Jersey, which was crazy because Ken and I got stuck at a bar. Yeah. (laughs) We were walking home from like this beautiful outing when it was like 75 degrees and sunny and then we're sitting there waiting for our food and it was like a span of five minutes.
0: Watching the storm roll in, it was madness.
1: Like it was crazy. And so we just got, we got stuck in this bar. So I hope everyone's safe. Um... And is uh, ready for the springtime.
0: But also, if you ever find yourself needing to weather an oncoming storm, I highly recommend doing so at Hilltown Tavern in Philadelphia.
1: yeah. It's
0: a... uh, It's a nice, friendly, cozy little place for it.
1: I enjoyed it. That was fun. I mean, if you're going to weather a tornado, weather the storm, uh, might as well do it with a a pint in your hand. Yeah,
0: watching (laughs) the Philadelphia Phillies get Get beat by Texas like 16 to 3.
1: (laughs) That was like the worst baseball game I've ever seen. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was rough. I was like, ugh.
0: But bemoaning bad Philadelphia sports teams is not what we do here at Campfire Classics, (laughs) nor is recounting the weather, although sometimes it... Is interesting enough to be worth it. Yeah. Um what we actually do here is read short stories that we find out of the public domain. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: we cold read them sight unseen, and this week I have selected a story that Heather is going to read. But before we get to that, I've got just a little snippet that I want to cover in this week's installment of Clown Corner. Uh, so, like many things in this podcast, Clown Corner started out as a short bit that I did to be a little bit funny and a little bit annoying, and it's grown and grown sort of exponentially and out of my control. But this week, I'm keeping it very much short, okay? very much on purpose. All right.
1: Well, okay.
0: The irrational fear of clowns yes, is called cholerophobia. I
1: actually did know this because um, I have some.
0: Now, it can be caused in some by some sort of trauma, childhood experience with clowns, um, an unfortunate painting of a clown. That
1: hangs above your bed, yes.
0: That sort of thing. However, more often it is believed to be linked to the phenomenon known as the uncanny valley. The uncanny valley is the human tendency to fear or hate things that look almost human.
1: Oh. It's the
0: reason we find dolls with incredibly realistic eyes. Creepy. Really creepy. It's the reason why we're pretty comfortable with robots that look like R2-D2, but those like sex dolls that are given latex skin and shiny eyes are really unsettling to look at.
1: I was shopping at Giant this week. Speaking
0: of sex dolls... (laughs)
1: Um, no, I was doing our, like, grocery shop for the week, and there was a fucking robot, like, wandering the aisles, and I got really freaked out. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't like it. It was, like, clean, it had a sign on it. Yeah. It says, don't mind me. I'm just here to keep your store clean and fresh or whatever, and I went, this is... Not it. This it was, is this is how we all die is I when saw the that. lasers start shooting out of this machine. Yeah, I
0: saw I saw that last time I was there too. It's basically a giant Roomba, it's, but it's also got a little price scanner on it. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: huge and it's like seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't like this at all. I got out of there so fast. I like found, I was like, I don't want to be in this aisle. I don't like it. I don't want it. <laughs> it was very discon- It was very disconcerting. Anyway, and that one doesn't look like a person. No. but it was still not not it <laughs> yeah
0: still a little creepy um but it is true that the closer something that isn't human mm-hmm. looks to being human the the more upsetting we tend to find it and the theory is that um the clown makeup makes that makes a clown look just not human enough okay that uh, that uncanny valley kicks in.
1: Okay, I guess that makes sense.
0: Now, this this uncanny valley is uh, an evolutionary sort of thing Mm -hmm. that we learned, and there are all sorts of creepy theories about why human beings developed this fear of things that look almost human but aren't. Like, where in our history were we running across some sort of predator that looked so human that we got afraid of things that look a little too human. Uh,
1: Was this an alien
0: invasion? Is this just a thing where, like, um, the
1: other, like something, like a, a different, like uh, races, other, like, yeah, it's like I mean, that there's also probably that in there. Is this something hanging on from
0: like Neanderthals were very close to Homo sapiens, mm-hmm. and so we we, but whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Uh so that's that's my m- or my an
1: alien or, or, or an alien invasion
0: shapeshifting uh, aliens.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm into that too. Yeah.
0: Um but uh that's the, the uncanny valley is actually super interesting and um you should go research it if you're interested but that's not about clowns it has nothing to do with clown corner. Basically I just brought it up to point out that if you dear listener have a fear of clowns that you can't quite pinpoint, you just, you've always been a little creeped out with clowns. What it means is you're having trouble registering a clown as quite human. Mm. And that is this week's Clown Corner.
1: All right. <laughs> I like it. Short, sweet to the point and, uh, dissecting people's psychology issues. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're here for.
0: <laughs> yeah. You should definitely take psychology notes from this show. That's- Absolutely.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but that's real.
0: (laughs) All right. So moving on to what it is we normally do. As I said, uh, we cold read short stories that we pull from the public domain and you get to hear us struggle our way through them as best we can, complete with mispronounced words, bad accents, weird penis jokes.
1: I got to use the skills we do on this podcast for an audition this week. They handed me a story cold, at, like, to storytell, And they were like, here, read it once and then do it. And I had to, they were like, do big voices, do things. I'm like, I looked right at them and went, uh, I have prepared for this. <laughs> if you want to hear some dumb voices, you should listen to our podcast. <laughs> so, yay. Even, see, we even, like. Help eat, help ourselves, not even just help you, listeners, but we help ourselves. Yep. Uh,
0: but before we get into the story, uh, I'm going to read a few fun facts just fun to facts. sort of set the tone.
1: Fun facts. <laughs>
0: So this week we are returning, at listener request, oh. to a guy that we've read a couple of times before, Mr. Ambrose Bierce.
1: Okay. Uh, I now the first one we did for him was Owl Creek, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So
0: uh, we've read him twice in the past, mm-hmm. one for episode 12, Here Comes the Boom Boom, where we read Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, mm-hmm. and uh, then episode 67, What Happens in the Locker Room, where we read Beyond the Wall. Oh, yeah. Now- uh, You've you've covered him in a decent amount, you know, his, his personal history. Um, he fought during the Civil War, wrote a ton of war and horror stories, and is generally considered to be a great author by critics, readers, and other writers. Oh, right, and his death is totally a mystery because he went to Mexico to fight in the Revolution and we never heard from him again.
1: He just, like... Maybe got abducted by aliens and had some of that uh, uncanny, canny valley. The
0: uncanny valley thing. Well, (laughs) your co-hosts, dear listener, in the past have wildly speculated that he either became a vampire or was picked up by Marty and Doc Brown in the DeLorean.
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, Because those are, or I mean, now I'm going to throw another one in there, the doctor.
0: Or the doctor. Um, These are
1: all clearly the most obvious answers. Yeah.
0: He definitely just didn't get taken out by a firing squad. Definitely not. So, that stuff we've all hinted at before. I've just got a couple more little pieces of color that I want to add to his background. Okay. Because it turns out that he was actually a fairly important figure politically, too. All right. Two stories. First, the railroad companies of America had taken out huge loans from the U.S. government.
1: Okay. Okay. Well,
0: that makes sense. Yeah. By the mid-1890s, those loans were starting to come due. A couple of the bigger companies were sending lobbyists to Washington, D.C. to try to convince a friendly congressman to forgive the debt.
1: So this really is like uh, Back to the Future 3. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so this this would actually be something akin to like if the government were to g- give loans to and then bail out some other major business like sector the like the automobile industry in. 2008.
1: And the airline industry, yeah. and I don't remember when that was, but yeah.
0: Um, so the money they were trying to get forgiven amounted to $130 million, or about $4.5 billion now. in today's <laughs> currency. Uh, and the essence of their their plan was secrecy, right? The railroad's advocates hoped to get a bill through Congress that would forgive all of their debts without any public notice or hearings.
1: Yeah, because that always works.
0: Um Bierce got wind of the plan. And he and his editor decided they didn't like it, so he went to D.C. to make sure that everybody knew what was going on.
1: Exposing the bullshit. The
0: lobbyists basically offered to pay him off to keep his mouth shut. They were like, name your price. Whatever you want. Name your price. It's fine. Bierce's answer ended up being in newspapers nationwide. My price is $130 million.
1: (laughs) Jesus Christ.
0: If, when you are ready to pay, I happen to be out of town, you can hand it over to my friend. The treasurer of the United States.
1: Damn, that's cold. That's that's some that's some John Stewart level like brilliance right there. <laughs> uh,
0: his writing sparked huge public outcry, and uh, the bill for giving the loan was struck down.
1: Wow, good for you, calling out the bullshit. Yeah. I love it. <laughs>
0: uh, standing up to to the big corporations. Yep. A few years later, Bierce was blamed for the assassination of President McKinley.
1: Wait, he was blamed for it? Indirectly. Okay.
0: He published a poem in 1900. Okay. In this poem, there were four lines that read, The bullet that pierced Goebbels' breast cannot be found in all the West. Good reason it is speeding here to stretch McKinley on his beer. That was published in 1900. In 1901... When McKinley was shot, many people, including the U.S. Secretary of War, claimed that the poem had incited the attack.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because um, I don't want to go on a political tirade, but, like, I'm just thinking of the Internet now. Yeah. (laughs) Like... That is pretty crazy. I mean, if I mean, and honestly, like when you're a writer or when you have a platform, you have to be careful what you put out there because the wrong person could uh, right. interpret it. But that's not really your fault. No, like he's just making art. Some wacko just was like, okay. And, well, yeah.
0: but think about the reaction that massive crowds have had to. 140 tweeted characters well, exactly. in no, recent history. Like, the the written word has power. That's no, so what I'm saying. Yeah. Like,
1: people need... To, and people don't think about that when they put shit online. Yeah. And it, like... Is it... That's... Yes. Yeah, it, anyway, anyway, I'm not going to go into the big political tirade, but wow, that's that's pretty nuts.
0: Yeah, so obviously it was nonsense. He was not attempting no. to incite an, an assassination, and the whole fervor soon passed. Uh, Bierce's editor stood by him the whole time, allowed him to continue writing for his paper, but still, people definitely believed in the, the power of the written word, clearly, uh, including the Secretary of War.
1: That's pretty nuts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, so those are just a couple of instances of of this week's author being uh, a motivating political factor a very, in the world.
1: Uh, a yeah. very inspiring human in one way or another.
0: This week, you'll be reading an Ambrose Bierce story from 1893, first published in Town Topics, called The Damned Thing.
1: Oh, The Damned Thing. Yeah, let's start the fire. Let's
0: start this fire.
1: The Damned Thing by Ambrose Bierce.
0: Yeah, I'll read The Damned Thing.
1: Also known as Angela Bassett Did The Damn Thing. <laughs> <laughs> the second you said the title, I was like, that's all I could think of. So, uh, anyway, I know that's a little like last month, but anyway. Okay, The Damned Thing by Ambrose Bierce. By the light of a tallow candle, which had been placed on one end of a rough table, a man was reading something written in a book. Well, I'm glad he was reading something in a book and not, like, in his mind. Or (laughs)
0: written in blood. Yeah,
1: exactly. But we don't know that the book's not written in blood.
0: It could be, yeah. By the light of the silvery moon.
1: (laughs) It was an old account book greatly worn and the writing was not apparently very legible for the man sometimes held the page close to the flame of the candle to get a stronger light upon it it. the shadow of the book would then throw in obscurity of half of the room darkening a number of faces and figures for besides the reader eight other men were present Seven of them sat against the rough log walls, silent and motionless, and the room being small, not very far from the table. By extending an arm, any one of them could have touched the eighth man who lay on the table face upward, partly covered by a sheet, his arms at his sides. He was dead. Whoa!
0: Whoa! I I figured when you described him as on the table covered in a sheet, he was either dead... Or this was some sort of weird sex party.
1: I just was not expecting the end of that paragraph to end up with a dead body. Yeah. (laughs) Well, shit. Okay. Well, all right. So we got a bunch of men. One of them's reading, I'm guessing, this dead guy's account book. The dead
0: guy's account book, yeah.
1: And a bunch of guys sitting around waiting to see who is in the will or something like that? The
0: damned thing. The damned? A.K.A. the dead man's accountant.
1: Yeah. Something like that. Okay. All right. So now we have a dead body. Okay. That was abrupt. The man with the book was not reading aloud, and no one spoke. All seemed to be waiting for something to occur. The dead man only was without expectation. (laughs) Hey, you don't know. As far as we know. As far as we know. From the blank darkness outside came in, through the aperture that served for a window, all the ever-unfamiliar noises of night and the wilderness, the long, nameless note of a distant coyote... The stilly, pulsing thrill of tireless insects and trees. Strange cries of night birds so different from those of the birds of the day. The drone of great blundering beetles and all that mysterious chorus of small sounds that seem always to have been but half heard when they have suddenly ceased. As if conscious of an indiscretion. Hmm. Ooh, creepy. But nothing of all this was noted in that company. Its members were not over much addicted to idle interests in matters of no practical importance. That was obvious in every line of their rugged faces, obvious even in the dim light of the single candle. They were evidently men of the vicinity, farmers and woodmen. So they're used to all these noises. Yeah. The person reading was a trifle different. One would have said of him that he was of the world, worldly a bit there was that of his attire, which attested a certain fellowship with the organisms of his environment. His coat would hardly have passed muster in San Francisco. His footwear would not his footwear was not of urban origin, and the hat that lay by him on the floor, he was the only one uncovered. Ooh, scandal. <laughs> His head isn't covered?
0: Well, no. He's just the only one polite enough to take off his hat inside.
1: Well, and there's also a dead person. It's kind of like a, you know, vigil. um, Well, because the other guys, like, they're wearing their farm hats. Like, this is, they don't take their hats off. Yeah.
0: But I I like that our narrator is all like, "Mm, no, his coat was no good. His shoes were outdated. His
1: coat wasn't good enough for San Francisco. And, like, so he wasn't. Superworldly, but he was more worldly than the farmers. <laughs> we don't know where he where he's right. from. The hat that lay by him on the floor, he was the only one uncovered, was such that if one had considered it as an article of mere personal adornment, he would have missed its meaning. In countenance the man was rather prepossessing, with just a hint of sternness, though that though that he may have assumed or cultivated as appropriate to one in authority. For he was a coroner. There we go. All right. Okay. Now we know his his business there. And that's, I don't know why he's reading the account book. but (laughs) It was by virtue of his office that he had possession of the book in which he was reading. It had been found among the dead man's effects in his cabin where the inquest was now taking place. When the coroner had finished reading, he put the book into his breast pocket. At that moment, the door was pushed open and a young man entered. He, clearly, was not of mountain birth and breeding. (laughs) He was clad as those who dwell in cities. Fucking city slickers. City boy coming in here and telling us what to do with our dead bodies. His clothing was dusty, however, as from travel. He had, in fact, been riding hard to te- to attend the inquest. Okay, so he found out about the dead body and got on a horse and was like, "Yeehaw! gotta yep. get to the country. All right. The coroner nodded. No one else greeted him. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. We have waited for you, said the coroner. It is necessary to have done with this business tonight. The young man smiled. I'm sorry to have kept you, he said. I went away, not to evade your summons, but to post to my newspaper an account of what I suppose I am called back to relate. Oh, he Ooh. witnessed something. This is very Ambrose Beers It's the, like, yeah. it, it's uh, putting it in the paper to, like, assure it's going to get out. Yep. Um, so he put it in the paper before in case he, something happens to him now.
0: The people need to know the
1: truth. They must know the truth. I'm assuming he knows who killed this guy or something. Or something, yeah. he witnessed something that, and now he's he's in fear of his own life, so he went and put it in the paper. So if something does happen to him now, yada yada. Okay. He just watching his ass. The coroner smiled. The account that you posted to your newspaper, he said, differs probably from that which you give here under oath. (laughs) Hmm. That, replied the other, rather hotly and with a visible flush, is as you choose. I used manifold paper and have a copy of what I sent. It was not written as news, for it is incredible, but as fiction. It may go as part of my testimony under oath. Hmm. Interesting. But you say it is incredible? That is nothing to you, sir. "'if I also swear that it is true.' "'The coroner was apparently not greatly affected "'by the young man's manifest resentment. (laughs) He (laughs) "'He was silent for some moments, his eyes upon the floor. "'The men, about the sides of the cabin, talked in whispers, "'but seldom withdrew their gazes from the face of the corpse. "'Presently, the coroner lifted his eyes and said, "'We will resume the inquest.' "'The men removed their hats.' The witness was sworn.
0: Oh, now the hat's coming out.
1: Oh, off. okay, okay. What is your name, the coroner asked. William Harker. What is your quest? <laughs> Age, 27. You knew the deceased, Hugh Morgan? Yes. You were with him when he died, near him.
0: That's an interesting <laughs> distinction. Yeah,
1: near him, so not holding his we, hand. We weren't. But, we you know, weren't
0: together. We
1: weren't. We weren't cuddling. But, like, no, you know. no, 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 no.
0: We weren't. <laughs> no, no, no. We were, I wasn't with
1: him. <laughs> I wasn't with him. I was just in his presence, but not too close. You know, keeping it real. How did that happen? Uh, your presence, I mean. I was visiting him at his place to shoot and fish a part of my purpose however was to study him and his odd solitary way of life he seemed a good model for a character in fiction i sometimes write stories i sometimes read them thank you stories in general not yours well fine <laughs> well bitch okay
0: <laughs> oh no 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 i love reading
1: i don't like reading your not shit not you <laughs> your trash Some of the jurors laughed. Against a somber background, humor shows highlights. Soldiers in the interval of battle laugh easily, and a jest in the death chamber conquers by surprise. Relate the circumstances of this man's death, said the coroner. You may use any notes or memorabilia that you please. The witness understood. Pulling a manuscript from his breast pocket, he held it near the candle and turning the leaves until he found the passage that he wanted, began to read. Dun-dun. Part two.
0: Thank you. I've written my testimony down. Yes. I I... read now from my latest short story.
1: Please uh, get it in this week's Vogue magazine. Thank you. (laughs) The sun had hardly risen when we left the house. We were looking for quail, each with a shotgun, but we had only one dog. Morgan said that our best ground was beyond a certain ridge that he pointed out, and we crossed it by trail through the chaparral? (laughs) Chaparral? 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 I don't know. Let's look it up. It comes up again, so I'm guessing this is a kind of landscape or something? Yes. Oh, was I right?
0: Chaparral. Chaparral.
1: Chaparral
0: is a shrubland plant community and geographical feature found primarily in California and southern Oregon. Yeah, so basically it's it that's that's the equivalent of saying we were making our way through the grassland or we were yeah. making our way through the hills or it's whatever. It's like a
1: bushland. It's, yeah it's, it's the yeah.
0: the type of topography.
1: The bushland. We are making our way through the bush. We
0: are hacking our way through the bush. <laughs>
1: uh no he was just near me. He was just near me. <laughs> Nothing was going on. On the other side was comparatively level ground, thickly covered with wild oats. Sometimes you gotta sow those. Huh? You gotta sow those oats? Sometimes
0: you gotta sow those wild oats. Well, I think
1: they're about to. As we emerged from the chaparral, Morgan was but a few yards in advance. Suddenly, we heard at a little distance to our right and partly in front a noise as of some animal thrashing about in the bushes, which we could see were violently agitated. We've started a deer, I said. I wish we'd brought a rifle. Morgan, who had stopped and was intently watching the agitated chaparral, said nothing but had cocked both barrels of his gun. <laughs> He's cocking his gun, (laughs) ching, ching, sowing his wild oats.
0: He's got two barrels.
1: It's like the doctor with two hearts, but instead he's got two (laughs) Two barrels barrels. to cock. Yeah, He's an alien. Go back to the alien invasion. He had cocked both barrels of his gun and was holding it with readiness to aim. I thought him a trifle excited.
0: <laughs> sometimes that does make it harder to aim. I I'm mean, just if you saying. cock
1: two barrels and yeah, that would make it hard to yeah. aim. And now he's super excited. Yeah,
0: you do need to hold it to aim sometimes.
1: Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. If you're if you're courteous of, you know, mm-hmm. those around you.
0: Especially if it's a long shot.
1: <laughs> oh, Lordy B. Uh, we're excited. I thought him a trifle excited, which surprised me, for he had a reputation for exceptional coolness, even in moments of sudden and eminent peril. Oh, come, I said. You're not going to fill up a deer with quail shot, are you? Still he did not reply, but catching sight of his face as he turned it slightly toward me, I was struck by the pallor of it. Then, I understood that we had serious business on hand, and my first conjecture was that we had jumped a grizzly. Oh, no. I advanced to Morgan's side, cocking my piece as I moved. (laughs) Oh, no. No, we got three pieces cocked. Three Three barrels. Three barrels cocked. All right. I have a feeling this is not a bear.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Probably not a bear. Not a deer.
1: It's going to be something creepy. The bushes were now quiet, and the sounds had ceased, but Morgan was as attentive to the place as before. What is it? What the devil is it? I asked. The damned thing, he replied without turning his head. Oh, shit. We got the title of the story and the first time we've heard Morgan talk.
0: All right. That's
1: some, like, double whammy of importance right there. I'm going to say it again because it's that important. "'The The damned thing,' thing, thing. he replied, without turning his head. His voice was husky and unnatural. He trembled visibly. I was about to speak further when I observed the wild oats near the place of the disturbance moving in a most inexplicable way. I can hardly describe it. It seemed as if stirred by a streak of wind, which not only bent it, but pressed it down, crushed it so that it did not rise— and this movement was slowly prolonging itself directly towards us. Ew. It's like a crop so whatever's circle. So out
0: there is coming towards us.
1: It's like a crop it's circle. Moving. It just kind of like bends the like, like the wheat over or yep. whatever. It's like, but you, like nothing's. But
0: you can't see what it is. But you it just looks, see that the wheat's yeah, moving, or the it's oats like, are moving. what
1: the fuck? Nothing that I had ever seen had affected me so strangely as this unfamiliar and unaccountable phenomenon. Yet... I am unable to recall any sense of fear. I remember, and tell it here because singularly enough, I recollected it then, that once, in looking carelessly out an open window, I momentarily mistook a small tree close at hand for one of a group of larger trees at a little distance away. It looked the same size as the others, but being more distinctly and sharply defined in mass and detail seemed out of harmony with them. It was a mere falsification of the law of aerial perspective, but it startled, almost terrified me. So we rely upon the orderly operation of familiar natural laws that any seeming suspension of them is noted as a menace to our safety, a warning of unthinkable calamity.
0: This is weirdly falling in line with the Uncanny Valley. I know,
1: it really is.
0: I love it when that shit happens. I know,
1: it really is. Like, it's all like, if something seems off... It You're, probably is. Well, if something seems off, our intuition as human beings, as animals, mm-hmm. makes us go, something's not right, and yeah. it makes you look into it further. So, like he was up in a window once, and it looked like a tree was moving or something, but mm-hmm. it's like, nope, 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 it was just by, it was just a weird. My depth perception thing. was
0: weird for a minute, but.
1: And now he's looking at this grass bending over and going
0: feeling the same sort of thing
1: something's not right but i don't know what it is but like you get that you get that thing in your stomach that's like who what what's happening what's happening what's happening yeah so now the apparently causeless movement of the herbage and the slow undeviating approach of the line of disturbance were distinctly disquieting my companion appeared actually frightened and I could hardly credit my senses when I saw him suddenly throw his gun to his shoulders and fire both barrels at the agitated grass. Before the smoke of the discharge had cleared away, I heard a loud, savage cry, a scream like that of a wild animal, and flinging his gun upon the ground, Morgan sprang away and ran swiftly from the spot. (laughs) Shit. He just, like, shot at nothing and ran? Yep. I would follow him, brah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Get the yeah, I'm fuck thinking. out of there! At the same instant, I was thrown violently to the ground by the impact of something unseen in the smoke—some soft, heavy substance that seemed thrown against me with great force. Ooh, it's oh, like no. the smoke monster and lost. <laughs> Before I could get up, oh yeah, that's the, that's the noise.
0: <laughs> it's actually. Do you know what the noise is?
1: A raptor? <laughs> no,
0: it's the um, it's the or a ticker tape. The 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 little ticker thing for um receipts in yeah. a taxi cab. Ticker
1: tape, like a ticker machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I um, I think I did know that. But I remember yeah. the, the the the
1: like a behind the scenes or something.
0: No, I remember the the first time I was walking down the streets of New York. After having watched some of Lost for the first time, <laughs> and I heard that sound when someone got out of a cab and it freaked me the fuck out.
1: That's funny because I watched a lot. like the, so the first experience I had with Lost was my roommate watched it. and I watched one episode like in like in like season four, like season four had started. Mm-hmm. And I watched one episode and I loved it, even without knowing what the fuck was going on. Sure. And like the following week, I got the flu. Like really bad flu and was down for like a week. I mean, this is like you know me a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so I went to the blockbuster on the corner in Queens and I rented the first three seasons. I rented one and then I and yep. I fucking watched all three seasons like back to back to back to back. I don't remember having that experience, yeah. but I do remember being like oddly like freaked out by flying and all these like weird like all of a sudden like yeah. Yeah, you you watch a show like that where, like, ultra paranoia is, like, the thing, and all of a sudden, every noise and everything, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I also had a very um, healthy, unhealthy obsession with Sawyer.
0: <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> a lot of people did.
1: <laughs> oh, the bear cage. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving forward. I was,
0: I was always— I was
1: 25, was, you know, what are you going to do?
0: I was always Team Saeed.
1: Oh, I love Saeed. I loved Saeed, but I just had a, like, I always like the bad boy. What can I say? Sweetie. <laughs> okay, so he just got whacked by a smoke monster. Okay. Before I could get upon my feet and recover my gun, which seemed to have been struck from my hands, I heard Morgan crying out as if in mortal agony and mingling with his cries were such hoarse savage sounds as one hears from fighting dogs. Inexpressibly terrified, I struggled to my feet and looked in the direction of Morgan's retreat. And may heaven and mercy spare me from another sight like that. At a distance, of less than 30 yards was my friend down upon one knee his head thrown back at a frightful angle hatless his long hair in disorder and his whole body in violent movement from side to side backward and forward his right arm was lifted and seemed to lack the hand at least i could see none the other arm was invisible At times, as my memory now reports this extraordinary scene, I could discern but a part of his body. It was as if he had been partly blotted out. I cannot otherwise express it. Then a shifting of his position would bring it all into view again. Oh, God. So he's, like, fucking going through, like, stigmata in the middle of this field yeah, or some shit. Like, he's, like, I mean, it looks it's like he's possessed or something. Yeah. yeah, and
0: in my head, what's obscuring parts of him is, is the, the smoke, smoke monster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I don't know if that's... Like, there's
1: something in the way, but yeah. you can't see what it is. Yeah. Yeah. All of this must have occurred within a few seconds. Yet, in that time, Morgan assumed all the postures of a determined wrestler vanquished by superior weight and strength. I saw nothing but him, and him not always distinctly. During the entire incident, his shouts and curses were heard, as if though an enveloping uproar of such sounds of rage and fury as I have never heard from the throat of man or brute. This is aggressive. For a moment only, I stood irresolute. Then, throwing down my gun, I ran forward to my friend's assistance. I had a vague belief that he was suffering from a fit or some form of convulsion. Before I could reach his side, he was down and quiet. All sounds had ceased, but with a feeling of such terror as even these awful events had not inspired, I now saw the same mysterious movement of the wild oats prolonging itself from the trampled area around the prostrate. Prostate. <laughs> I was saying it, and I was like, I know it's prostrate. I know what my, my mouth is going to do, and it's going to say prostate.
0: But it didn't. It said prostrate, and then you went back I, and I, said I know, prostate. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> because my subconscious wanted it to be prostate, and it and I, I knew it. Intellectually, was correct, and then I went. The invisible terror
0: was seen moving away from the trampled man's prostate.
1: (laughs) Ouchie! All right, I now saw the same mysterious movement of wild oats prolonging itself from the trampled area around the prostrate man toward the edge of a wood. So now it's leaving. Oh God! Gross. It was only when it had reached the wood that I was able to withdraw my eyes and look at my companion. He was dead.
0: Well, yeah, when you get your <laughs> prostate trampled.
1: <laughs> that does that does tend to, you know, uh, mess with your body. Yeah. All right, and then we go, dun-dun, part three. The coroner rose from his seat and stood beside the dead man. Lifting an edge of the sheet, he pulled it away, exposing the entire body altogether naked. Well, that seems rude. Put some pants on the man. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, now we just got a bunch of men sitting around staring at a dead naked dude. Like, Come on. That's, I get it. The coroner needs him naked to do like an examination. Does everyone need to see the man naked? I are guess his, they, they're all excited to see two guns caught. Are
0: his barrels still caught?
1: Yeah, I was going to say.
0: No, probably not, because if they were, there would have been a little tent a little action tent. going yeah, on. Yeah,
1: a, like a little, like, fort.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> a little, like, uh, table fort. <laughs> and and our friend would have come in and been like, Oh, are we playing fort? Yay! Oh, wait, it's just my friend Morgan. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Okay, so now he's naked. Okay, so he's exposed to the entire body, all together naked, and showing in the candlelight a clay-like yellow. It had, however, broad masculations of, okay, maculations maculations, like bruises. uh, I would guess. I think it's marks. I've heard that on a, a medical show before, for sure.
0: To maculate is to mark with a spot, or to stain, so yeah. Yeah. It's just marks. It's a yeah.
1: fancy way a really of saying... Pretty, you're marked up. You
0: got bruise spots. You got
1: fucked up because the, the smoke monster beat the shit out of you.
0: He looks like a banana. He
1: looks, like, looks like a bad banana. It had, however, broad maculations of bluish black, obviously caused by extra... 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 sated extras. Oh, Ex- there it is. Extravasated blood. Extravasated. So it's like clotted blood, I'm guessing?
0: Of a fluid, especially blood, let or forced out from the vessel that naturally contains it into the surrounding area. Extravasated. So it all
1: goes to one area, like from the contusions. Yeah. It had, however, broad maculations of bluish black, obviously caused by extravasated blood from contusions. Damn, that was like fucking, hi, Chicago Med, Heather Lawler, she's available. (laughs) The chest and sides looked as if they had been beaten with a bludgeon. There were dreadful lacerations. The skin was torn in strips and shreds. Good God. (laughs) Got
0: beat up real bad by something.
1: The damn thing sucks, man. I I don't want to know. I don't even want to know. The coroner moved round to the end of the table and undid a silk handkerchief, which had been passed under the chin and knotted up the top of the head. When the handkerchief was drawn away, it exposed what had been the throat. Some of the jurors who had risen to get a better view repented their curiosity and turned away their faces. Witness Harker went to the open window and leaned out across the sill, faint and sick. Dropping the handkerchief upon the dead man's neck, the coroner stepped to an angle of the room and from a pile of clothing produced one garment after another, each of which he held up a moment for inspection. All were torn and stiff with blood. The jurors did not make a closer inspection. They seemed rather uninterested. They had, in truth, seen all of this before, the only thing that was new to them being Harker's testimony." Gentlemen, the coroner said, we have no more evidence, I think. Your duty has been already explained to you. If there is nothing you wish to ask, you may go outside and consider your verdict. The foreman rose, a tall, bearded man of sixty, coarsely clad. I should like to ask one question, Mr. Coroner, he said. "'What asylum did this year last witness escape from?' (laughs) "'Wow!' "'More comedy.' "'Yeah, this guy sounds like he's super impartial. "'Mr. Harker,' said the coroner gravely and tranquilly, "'from what asylum did you last escape?' "'Harker flushed crimson again but said nothing, "'and the seven jurors rose and solemnly filed out of the cabin.' "'If you have done insulting me, sir,' said Harker "'as soon as he and the officer were left alone with the dead man, "'I suppose I'm at liberty to go?' "'Yes.' "'Harker started to leave, but paused with his hand on the door latch. "'The habit of his profession was strong in him, "'stronger than his sense of personal dignity. "'He turned about and said, "'The book you have there? "'I recognize it as Morgan's diary.' You seemed greatly interested in it. You read it while I was testifying. May I see it? The public would like, The book will cut no figure in this matter, replied the official, slipping it into his coat pocket. All the entries in it were made before the writer's death. (laughs) Well, yes, but that might explain why this thing came and killed him. As Harker passed out of the house, the jury re-entered and stood about the table on which the now-covered corpse showed under the sheet with sharp definition. The foreman seated himself near the candle, produced from his breast pocket a pencil and scrap paper, and wrote rather laboriously the following verdict, in which various degrees of efforts all signed. We, the jury, do find the remains come to their death at the hands of a mountain lion. But some of us thinks, all the same, they had fits. Part 4 In the diary of the late Hugh Morgan are certain interesting entries having, possibly, a scientific value as suggestions. At the inquest upon his body, the book was not put in evidence. Possibly the coroner thought it not worthwhile to confuse the jury. The date of the first of the entries mentioned cannot be ascertained. The upper part of the leaf is torn away. The part of the entry remains as follows. Would run in half circle, keeping his head turned always toward the center, and again he would stand still, barking furiously. At last he ran away into the brush as fast as he could go. I thought at first that he had gone mad, but on returning to the house found no other alteration in his manner than what was obviously due to fear of punishment. Can a dog see with his nose? Do odors impress some olfactory center with images of the thing emitted from them? September 2nd? That's my birthday! (laughs) Yay!
0: Yeah, probably nothing bad happened. (laughs)
1: What was In he? honor
0: of your birthday. In
1: honor of my birthday. I mean, clearly this was about 100 years before I was born. but <laughs> September 2nd. Looking at the stars last night as they rose above the crest of the ridge east of the house, I observed them successfully disappear from left to right. Each was eclipsed but an instant, and only a few at the same time, but... Along the entire length of the ridge, all that were within a degree or two of the crests were blotted out. It was as if something had passed along between me and them, but I could not see it, and the stars were not thick enough to define its outline. Ugh. I don't like this. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's real creepy. That's like a fucking UFO. Something. Like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Blocking out the stars.
1: Several weeks of entries are missing. Three leaves being torn from the book. That's never a good sign. Nope. September 27th. It has been about here again. I find evidences of its presence every day. I watched again all of last night in the same cover, gun in hand, double charged with buckshot. In the morning, the fresh footprints were there as before. Yet I would have sworn that I did not sleep. Indeed, I hardly sleep at all. It is terrible, insupportable. If these amazing experiences are real, I shall go mad. If they are fanciful, I am mad already. October 3rd. I shall not go. It shall not drive me away. No, this is my house, my land. God hates a coward. October 5th. I can stand it no longer. I have invited Harker to pass a few weeks with me. He has a level head. I can judge from his manner if he thinks me mad. October 7th. I have the solution of the problem. It came to me last night, suddenly by revelation. How simple, how terribly simple. There are sounds that we cannot hear. At either end of the scale are notes that stir no chord of the imperfect instrument, the human ear. They are too high or too grave. I have observed a flock of blackbirds occupying an entire treetop, the tops of several trees, and all in full song. Suddenly, in a moment, at absolutely the same instant, all spring into the air and fly away. How? They could not... "'All see one another?' "'Whole treetops intervened. "'At no point could a leader have been visible to all. "'There must have been a signal of warning or command "'high and shrill above the din, "'but by me unheard. "'I have observed, too, the same simultaneous flight "'when all were silent among not only blackbirds, "'but other birds, quail, for example, "'widely separated by bushes, "'even on opposite sides of a hill.' It is known to seamen that a school of whales, basking or sporting on the surface of the ocean miles apart, with the convexity of the earth between them, will sometimes dive at the same instant, all gone out of sight in a moment. The signal has been sounded too grave for the ear of the sailor at the masthead of his comrades on the deck, who nevertheless feel its vibrations in the ship as the stones of a cathedral are stirred by the base of the organ. As with sounds, so with colors. At each end of the solar spectrum, the chemist can detect the presence of what are known as actinic rays. They represent colors, integral colors in the composition of light, which we are unable to discern. The human eye is an imperfect instrument. Its range is but a few octaves of the real chromatic scale. I am not mad, there are colors that we cannot see, and god help me, the damned thing is of such a color. The end. Creepy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, what a fascinating cool structure. that in what was this, 1893? Yeah,
1: that he knew it was. He's, I mean,
0: he's talking about ultraviolet and, and infrared light waves. He like, doesn't have those names for it. Sides
1: but, of the spectrum with sound. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, that was very like contemporary uh, uh, awareness. <laughs> Of, like, light and sound. And also, like, I love the structure of this story. Like, it was, okay, there's a dead man. Yeah. Parker shows up. And then we get Parker's testimony, but we flash back to the actual day. Right. So it's happening in real time. Then we flash forward to, like, the jury deciding what actually happened and him asking for the book. And then we get to actually hear after Harker's like gone and everything is it's basically case closed we actually hear what he wrote and like how he fucking saw an alien like that's an alien he yeah. saw something otherworldly cuz he and he figures it out the last day he writes in his journal he's like it's something I, it's literally, it's, it's just,
0: something that's, it's a color that I can't see. And
1: it came, and because he, the space was getting blocked out, it's like some alien, like, craft, some UFO situation had come in, and he saw it fly in. Oh, it's so...
0: Spookular.
1: Spooky and so fun! I really, really liked that story.
0: (laughs) So I just looked it up. Uh, Infrared light was discovered in 1800. Ultraviolet was discovered in 1801.
1: Okay, so it was knowledge. It was so it was was it was knowledge
0: that was sitting out there, but it wasn't like
1: I mean, because technology didn't exist to the point like now we. I mean, everything we use has some sort of that light and everything, but that. um, Yeah, this that I really liked the story. I like the way it was structured very much. That was a kooky little one. That was fun. Also, like, eerie. and Because you don't get the... I love stories where you don't get the answer. Yeah. There is no answer. Because you like, don't need it. Well, it, there is no answer. It's like, we don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Like, something unseen and unknown killed him in front of someone else. So yeah. he watched it tear him apart and leave. And they think he's crazy because he's a fiction writer and whatnot, but he's like, no, no. And you hear in his book that he brought him in to be the sane one because yeah. he, he is level-headed. Not one bit of him is like, that guy was crazy. He's like, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I saw things that were off, too, and I, I didn't like it. I saw
1: things I cannot explain, yeah. and um, I want to leave now. Thank you. <laughs> I never want to come back to this place ever again. <laughs> Ooh, I liked that one a lot. Did you like that one readers? Cuz I liked it. That was like the right kind of spooky. It was like a mystery. Yeah. And a, and a ghost story, sort of a and a cryptid, sci-fi and,
0: horror yeah. mystery thing.
1: Ooh, I liked it. I like Ambrose Beers. He yeah. he slays. I've I've liked all his stories. Yeah, he hope, slays. Hope you enjoyed he did the damn thing. Hope, Ambrose Beers, you did the damn thing.
0: <laughs> hope you enjoyed that return to uh to Ambrose.
1: Yeah, I did. That yeah. was fun.
0: Uh well, hey, uh let us know what you thought about that one, listener, and whether you um I don't know, want to hear more Ambrose Beers or not.
1: I liked that your clown corner fun facts were very in a line with that. That was Yeah, it's sort fun. of
0: um eerily prescient.
1: Yeah. Well and even uh like his like fun facts of him being a writer and Harker like is. Mm-hmm. Like, was exposing the truth about something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, that whole thing of, like, exposing the truth. Yeah. Um, Kind of tied in. So, like, all three sections just kind of molded together um, in a synchronicity that we can't explain because we can't see all the colors, everybody.
0: Or hear all the sounds.
1: Are you alone right now? Are you sure? <laughs> Ew! Ah, I love it.
0: <laughs> hey, listener, have you ever... Uh, experienced aI'm um, seeing this thing and it's not quite right. Uh, it triggers something that that, I don't know, maybe you have... Certain feelings about triggers triggers your fight 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 or
1: flight
0: triggers your fight or flight and you can't really explain why you just know you need to get out of there. Oh um, yeah,
1: women out there all the time.
0: <laughs> please uh, share that story and I, like I know there are there are cases where it's like um, yeah there was a creepy dude I knew I had to get away or I saw a fucking bear and I wanted to run but I'm talking about the things where like whatever it's broad daylight you're in a safe place and you just experience something see something whatever that makes you go ooh, intuition's kicking in i need to be gone yeah um for whatever reason not not an obvious trigger I have to um, me a
1: lot i get like a go walk into a space or something and i just get a yucky feeling yeah and it can be a yeah mm.
0: So uh, write in and let us know what you thought about uh, Ambrose 3.0 and, um, and if you have any stories where your Uncanny Valley kicked in.
1: Yeah, we'd love to read them.
0: And <laughs> when you write in, please include this week's, oh, when you write in to 5050hoursproduction at gmail.com or any of our social media. Just look for uh, Campfire Classics podcast on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or wherever you do your thing. Uh, yeah. Tell us all that stuff and include this week's secret passcode, which is two barrels cocked.
1: Two barrels cocked. <laughs> Love it. Two barrels cocked.
0: Um Cha-ching. That's all for me. Uh, you got anything else?
1: That's all I got. That all was, right. That was fun.
0: Well, then, until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelves. I <laughs>
1: just wanted to do something creepy. Sure.
0: <laughs> I think you succeeded.
1: <laughs> boogity, boogity.
0: That was less creepy and more...